Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. Um, last week, um, at the end of the class, uh, I taught last week on um, understanding the anointing of God and the laying on of hands. And at the end of the class, I invited those who needed healing to come and those that were still sitting came and laid hands on people. And I was observing and I was listening and watching. And I noticed that most of you were praying for the person. You say, what's wrong with that? The problem is that God never called us to pray for the sick. What is prayer? What is prayer? Prayer is communication with the Father, is it not? God never called us to pray for the sick or to ask Him to heal the sick. Go with me, if you will. We're going to see a couple of scriptures. I know I have some of you just kind of jerked up, stirred up. You said, what is she talking? We're not supposed to pray for the sick? Well, hold your horse. Matthew 10, Matthew 10, verse 8. Matthew 10, verse 8. I'm going to ask you to put your seatbelt on. Buckle up. Amen. And if I start going, if my tongue is starting to go a little too fast, then wave your hand, I will slow down. Amen. What did I say? Matthew 10, verse 8. Jesus called the disciple. Amen. And verse, uh, let's see, verse 5, it says, Do not go into the way of Gentiles. Do not enter a city of the Samaritan, but rather go to the lost ship of, of the house of Israel. And go, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And look in verse 8. Heal the sick. Raise, cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You notice that Jesus didn't tell them to pray for the sick. He told them to heal the sick. Here is another verse. Luke chapter 9, verse 2. And I will explain in a little second what I'm talking about. In Luke chapter 9, verse 2. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Notice again, he didn't send them to pray for the sick. He sent them to heal the sick. A third one, Luke 10 verse 9. Verse start verse, verse 8, so it will make sense. Uh, whatever city you enter and they receive you, Eat such thing as they uh, said before you, and heal the sick there. 
and say to them, the kingdom of God has come upon you. We notice that when Jesus sent the disciples, he told them, commanded them to heal the sick. What's the difference between praying for the sick, which is really asking the Father to heal the person, but Jesus said, you heal the sick. What did he mean by that? He meant that they had to exercise their authority against the sickness. If you remember in John chapter 14, in verse 12, when welcome, when Jesus uh, uh, told them that the same work that Jesus did, he told the disciple, you will do also, and even greater work than these will you do because I go to my Father. And then the verse 13, he says, And whatever you ask in my name, I, Jesus, will do it so that my Father may be glorified. You see, we have a, 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 always a notion that we have to ask the Father yep. to heal the person. But that's not what Jesus was saying. He says, the same work that I do, you will do. What kind of work did Jesus do? Heal the sick? Cast out demons? Raise the dead? Multiply bread? And how did Jesus do it? He never asked the Father to do it. But how did, what did Jesus do? He exercised his authority that the Father had given him. And you see, the word... Whatever you ask in my name, do you notice that he doesn't say whatever you ask the Father in my name? He doesn't talk about the Father, but he says whatever you ask in my name. And the word ask in Greek is the word aieto. And it's in the, in the strong concordance, if you look at it, it says that it means to require to make it, to demand, to command something that is due. Of course, we know we don't command the Father. We don't require or demand. But who is it that we require of? Who is it that we demand and command? Satan. Who is it that is holding your healing? God? Do you see? The truth is, we saw the first week I was with you that on the cross, Jesus already paid for your healing and already gave it to us, granted it to us, correct? Right. So now, really healing, it's not about us trying to obtain something from God, asking the Father to give us. It's not about trying to obtain healing, but it's rather defending what God has already given to us. And how do we demand? Jesus says, whatever we, you command in my name, I will do it. You see, when we exercise our authority in the name of Jesus, Jesus is stepping out. He's right there listening to your word. And the minute you exercise your authority in his name, he reinforces that authority. Amen. And so we find out here that the Bible tells us we don't pray for the sick, but what we do, we command the enemy to take his hands off of the person's body. We speak to the sickness, we command it to go out of the body of the person. That's what James chapter 4 verse 7 says, you resist the devil and he will flee. 
You know, that's what Matthew 18, 18 says. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You see, when you exercise your authority, when you bind that sickness, when you command that sickness to go, Jesus is right there and reinforce that authority. Watches over it. Hallelujah. So you see, I saw the last week that most of you were praying for the sick, meaning you were asking God to heal the person. When really the truth of the matter is God has already done it and he's given you authority and waiting for you to heal the sick like he told the disciples to do. And how will you do it? By exercising your authority. And you see, God is not going to do it for you. Unless you do it, you've got to exercise your authority and Jesus will reinforce it. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember I grew up under Kenneth Hagin and went to his school. And I remember one time that he shared a testimony with us that really impacted me. He said that one time he had had a few um, encounters with Jesus, and that one time he was face-to-face. Jesus had walked into his room, pulled a chair, sat down face-to-face with him, and was talking with uh, Papa Kenneth Hagin. And, and while they were talking, all of a sudden, a smoke came between them and a little demon came and stood in between them to the point and making all kind of noise mm-hmm. to the point where Kenneth Hagin could not hear what Jesus was saying. And in his heart, he was getting frustrated and he was saying, but doesn't Jesus know that that little demon is there and I can't, can't hear him? And he was getting so frustrated and Jesus kept on talking. And he got so frustrated that all of a sudden he put his foot down and he said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here, little demon. And that little demon plopped on the floor and just walked away. <laughs> and at the end of the conversation with Jesus, Kenneth Hagin with respect said, Lord, please excuse me, but I have, may I ask you a question? And Jesus said, go ahead. And he says, while we were talking and, and that little demon is, why didn't you do anything? And you know what Jesus told him? Jesus says, if you had not exercised your authority in my name, I could not have done anything. Kenneth, I gave you the authority. And Kenneth Hagin said, oh, wait, wait, you know, Lord, I'm a stickler for the word. You've got to give me two or three scriptures that will confirm that. And so the scriptures that Jesus gave him, he says, haven't you read in James 4, 7? You resist the devil and you will flee from you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And then the last scripture he gave him was in Mark chapter 11, verse 23. And let's turn there together. Mark chapter 11. You see, if you want to get the kind of results that Jesus got, That means you're going to have to do what Jesus did. And most of us in the church, we've prayed for the sick. It hadn't worked because this is not what Jesus did. And this is not what Jesus told us to do. What did he tell us to do? To exercise our authority, to defend what God has given us. And look at how, what Jesus told us to do. In Mark chapter 11, in verse 23... It says, for surely, when Jesus says surely, you know you better listen. He says, for surely, I say to you, whoever. Is there a whoever in this room tonight? 
Raise your hand if you're a whoever. So right there, you qualify. So you better perk up and listen up. Amen. Jesus says, for whoever speak to the mountain and command it to be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that whatever he say will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. You notice what Jesus told us to do? Contrary to what most people do, when people have a sickness or a need or a problem, what do they do? They talk to God about the mountain. They tell God how big the mountain is, how impossible it is. They tell God all about the mountain, but that's not what Jesus said. He says, whoever speak to the mountain. You see, you don't talk to God about the mountain. No, you've got to talk to your mountain. Now, what is it, the mountain? In this case here tonight, it's about a sickness. So whatever it is, the sickness that is troubling you, you have to speak to it. What is it? Cancer? Speak to it. What is it? Knee injury? Speak to it. What is it? Diabetes? You speak to it. What is it? Fibromyalgia? You speak to it. Jesus says, whoever speak directly to the mountain and you command it to be removed and cast into the sea. And what it means that you, in order to, to defend what Jesus has already given you, you see, healing is already yours. If you're a believer, it's the, child, the bread's children. Healing belongs to you. To defend it, Jesus said, you're going to have to speak to that sickness and command it to be removed and cast into the sea. And most people say, oh, Andre, you're getting a little weird here. It's a little strange. You're telling me to speak to things? Well, you know, that's what Jesus did, isn't it? Jesus had just finished speaking to a tree. There is actually, he spoke to a fig tree. He commanded to be cursed from the root. Hallelujah. Actually, another gospel said that he answered the tree. You know why he answered the tree? Because the the tree was talking to him. Like some of your sicknesses are talking to you. Mm-hmm. That diabetes says, you know, I'm, I'm never going to go. I'm here for good. Yeah, well, when it talks to you, you've got to answer and tell it to go. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You remember when Jesus was in Peter's mother-in-law's house and she was laid in with a fever in bed? What did Jesus do? It says that Jesus rebuked the yeah. fever. He stood on, in front of her, took her hand, and rebuked the fever. Yeah. He spoke to it. You know what he says? Fever, get out of her body right now. Right. Amen. Amen. Well, you remember when Jesus was sleeping in a boat? Yeah. And all of a sudden, there was a huge storm, and the disciples came and said, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to die. And I mean, and that's expert fisherman. Must have been some serious waves and wind but what did jesus do did jesus says father please calm the sea father father please would you just quiet the the waves no what did he do two words peace be still three words what did he do he exercised his authority he spoke to the mountain There were other times where Jesus spoke to demons. And can I do a little parenthesis? In the 
in the context of what we're teaching, some sicknesses are caused by demons. Not all of them, but many of them. And that's why it's so important to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. You know, you don't go, anybody that is sick, you don't go around casting demons out of every sick person. But that's why we are so, we must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and know what is the root of the sickness. What is the, is it a demon? Because you remember there are times where Jesus, in order to heal a person who was deaf, sometimes they were mute or sometimes they were epileptic. There were different situations where Jesus cast a demon out of the person. But this is what Jesus did. To heal the person, he exercised his authority. To raise the dead, he spoke, exercised his authority. And that means that this is what we have learned to do. We've got to stop doing the thing the way we grandmother did it and grandfather did it and everybody did it because, my friend, it's not working. And we've got to start doing what Jesus told us to do. And he told us to speak to the sickness directly and command it to go. Amen. Amen. But now, why is it that sometimes our authority is not working? Why is it that how many of you, you've exercised your authority and the mountain looked at you and went, na, 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 and didn't move and didn't go. And you're like, but I exercised my authority in Jesus' name. Why did the mountain, why didn't move? What happened? So tonight I would like to talk about, and of course it's going to be a rather simplistic approach. You know, we don't have hours and hours to dissect everything. But I want to talk about some of the reasons why our authority does not function, why it doesn't seem to work. Amen? One of the first reasons why, well, because we are supposed to exercise authority to speak to the sickness, to speak to the pain, amen, to speak to whatever sickness is, is coming on you or on somebody else. But why is it not working sometime? One of the, one, the, one of the reasons is because so many people, sometimes we are intimidated by the devil or by the sickness. Have you ever heard people when they said, and, and it makes me laugh sometimes when people try to tell me I have cancer. They don't just tell you, Sister Audrey, I have cancer. They say, Sister Audrey, I have cancer. And they wait for me to go, oh, no. And you know what I say? <laughs> cancer? Well, it's like a headache for Jesus. You see, you understand what I'm trying to say? We are very easily intimidated by the sickness or intimidated by the enemy. Why? Because some of us have more faith or or more faith in the devil and what he can do that we have in God. We talk about the devil. Don't say anything. The devil might hear you. (laughs) I have a secret. That's the one I want you want. I want him to hear it. Now, why is it that we can be intimidated by the devil? And number one, we have got to know that he has been totally defeated. The Bible says, you remember when Jesus was, he says he cast devil by the finger of God. Mm -hmm. He didn't even use his hand or his arm. He used like this with his finger. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. 
Amen. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is a defeated foe. In Colossians 2.15, it says that Jesus, when he went down to hell, he spoiled all powers and principality. Spoil, you know what I mean to spoil? That he, he took all anything that, he, he took his armor, he took his, his power, he took his, everything he had. He spoiled him. He's like a big cat with that fangs and with that claws. The Bible says he's as a roaring lion. Mean that he makes a lot of noise to try to intimidate you. And if you don't know that he truly has been defeated and that he's been totally declawed and defanged, then you can easily fall to his intimidation. And the Bible says he not only has been spoiled, but he's been disarmed, but he's been made a spectacle. All of the spirit world, yeah. and I can't wait to see a playback of that. <laughs> All of the spirit world saw the day when Jesus took his foot, put it on the neck of the devil, and all the little demons of diabetes, all those little demons saw it. And they saw that their master had been not only uh, uh, defeated, but humiliated. We need to know that. You know, there is a scripture in Isaiah 14, verse 16, that says that one day when we go to heaven, you and I are going to look down and see the devil, and we're going to scratch our head, and some of us are going to cry, and we're going to say, this is it that make the nations tremble? That's it that just caused me so much trouble? Just that? And I was worried, and I lost some sleep, and, and I, I carried that sickness all that time. And that was that little imp right there that was causing me so much trouble. Amen. And the Bible says it, that Jesus gave us, after he disarmed, spoiled the devil, humiliated him, he rose from the dead, and he gave us all authority. In Luke 10, 19, it says that I've given you all authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. He said, but don't rejoice that all the spirit are subject to you. Did you hear that? All the spirits of sickness are subject to you. He said, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So we've got to know that the devil has been defeated once and for all. And once we know who he is and that he's, he's got no power, but only the power of deception and intimidation, then you don't have to fall prey to his little maneuvers. You can stand and say, devil. I remember one time I was in Albania and during the night, all of a sudden, I felt a presence come in the room and I felt like something jump on me like, have you like a cat, you know? When a cat jumps on you, you can feel his paws just come on you. And I felt that, and I put the light on, and I felt that presence, and all of a sudden, there was nobody in the room. But all of a sudden, I knew there was an evil spirit right there. Amen. And you know what I did? And at that moment, I heard the devil says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And at that moment, you know, I could have said, oh, start to go, get up and wage war and start doing all kinds of stuff. But you know what I did? I said, devil, just shut up and get out of here. <laughs> and I just went, turned the light off and went back to sleep. That's right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 
I remember the testimony. I believe it. I don't know if it's Miss Wigglesworth or Lester Samuel. I get them messed up. But um, one night, the devil himself walked in the room. And he had, you know, moved the furniture, the lamps and everything. It was chaos in the room. And he just woke up and looked at everything. And he saw the devil, not just a little demon, the devil himself on the corner of the room. And you know what he said? Ah, oh, it's just you, devil. And then he went back to sleep. And then he, he, he said, wait, wait a second. Put everything back in its place. And sure enough, the devil had to put everything back in its place. And I remember that testimony. And that night when yeah. it happened to me in Albania, I just said, I'm not going to give the devil too much time. He's defeated. He That's just tries right. to scare me. Just get out of here. Let me yeah. sleep. Get out. Yeah. And he never, he never bothered me again. Yeah. Amen. Right. At least not in Albania while I was there. <laughs> Amen. You know, I remember uh, um, a story that I heard about a lady who was so intimidated by the devil. You know, she would always say, Pastor, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me. The devil is after me. Pastor, Pastor. Every week she had something and she would always say, the devil is after me. And the pastor got so tired of it. He said, Lord, please help me, you know, do something, help her to see that the devil, I tell her, tell her she doesn't seem to understand. Show her that the devil is defeated. She doesn't have to be scared of it. And, and, and so one night, one night that woman had a dream. And in her dream, she heard a lion. I don't do a good lion, do I? I do a better giraffe, you can notice. But not a good lion. Rawr, rawr, rawr. And in her dream, she was scared, trembling and scared. And then she heard the noise and coming from behind a bush. So she went behind little by little and she looked to see in her dream what was behind the bush. And you know what she saw? She saw a little mouse with a megaphone. <laughs> and in her dream, Though God spoke to her and said, this is just like the devil. All he can do is a lot of noise. Don't pay attention to it. Amen. So number one, you see, you have got to know that the devil is defeated and stop being intimidated when he tells you, you know what I always tell people, whatever the devil says that scares you, that just put it in reverse. If he says you're going to die, just start jumping around and say, Woohoo! Hallelujah! I'm going to live. Yeah. If the devil tells you you're never going to be healed, go, Woohoo! Hallelujah! That means I'm going to be healed. That's it. Yeah. Take it in because the devil is the father of lies. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Reason number two why our authority doesn't work sometimes amen, is um, a feeling of unworthiness or condemnation. Yes. Have you ever, for example, where you run into somebody all of a sudden and they tell you that they've just been diagnosed with cancer? And your first impression is, I want to pray for them. But all of a sudden you hear the little voice that says, how dare you? Don't you remember you just got angry with your wife when you left the house? You told your kids, da-da-da-da-da. How dare you think that God could use you right now? You lost your temper. And you know the a thousand and one reason that the devil would tell you? You know, and all of a sudden, 
what do you do? I cannot pray for that person. I'm not going to pray for God is not going to heal that person because I'm not, I'm not holy enough. Right. So many times we think that God is going to use us to heal the sick based on our own worthiness or our own behavior. But you see, I have good news for you. God has never used anybody in the Bible that was perfect or qualified. Yes, hallelujah. Look at Moses. He murdered somebody. And yet God used him. And he was impatient. Look at, uh, at Abraham. He lied. He was a coward. Said, oh, no, that's not my wife. That's my sister. Just go ahead. Not once, but twice. And he lied. Look at Jacob. He's called the deceiver. Is he picture perfect? Is he the, we have that notion that the men and women of God in the Bible were just floating on cloud. They had a, like a big, you know, thing around their head and they were perfect. No, they were not perfect. They were missing it just like you and I, but yet God used them. You know why? Because God is not going to use you to heal the sick based on your behavior and your good conduct, but God is going to do it based on his grace. You see, the moment you think that you can pray, oh, you know, I didn't pray enough. I should have fasted. I didn't read my Bible for a couple of days. All of a sudden, you feel like you feel condemned. And what does it mean to be condemned? You see, if you see a building and it's got a big thing that says condemned, what does it mean? Unusable. Unfit for use. Yeah. You see, when the devil condemns you, he's telling you, you're unfit for use. Yeah. God can use you. But the good news is that God does not use us. We don't right. heal people because we're good enough. We heal people because by His grace, He is good enough. Yeah. We've got to learn to relate to God, not based on our behavior, but based on, by the Spirit, based on His goodness. You see, when you, when in the, Jesus is a type, everything you see in the Old Testament is a type of Christ. That's right. And you remember in the Old Testament when they were bringing, when the sinner was bringing an offering for his sins, Mm -hmm. bringing an offering to the high priest, what did the high priest do? Did he go and inspect the sinner? No. Did he look at the sinner and said, oh, you've sinned, you've did. Well, that's the whole reason why he brought brought an offering. Mm -hmm. That's right. But what did he inspect? The sacrifice, the offering. You see, when God relates to you now, He doesn't relate to you based on your behavior, on your own holiness, on your merit. God relates to you based on Christ, on your faith in Christ. So when you lay, exercise your authority, when you lay hands on the sick, you've got to do it based on what Jesus did. You put your faith not on your own behavior. You put your faith on what Jesus did. And you know that God, who is spirit, sees you in the spirit. And when he sees you, what does he see? He sees the the offering. He sees Christ in you, who is sinless, perfect, holy, righteous. That's who you are in the spirit. And so... 
knowing that, 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 that you, you are, Christ is in you and you are in Christ. It gives you that boldness. It gives you that assurance to command in the name of Jesus to that cancer yeah. to get out of, of the body, to speak to the mountain. And if the devil says, you're not good enough, you say, yeah, plead guilty. You're right. I'm not good enough. But I'm not healing the sick based on my goodness. I'm healing the sick based on his goodness. So, yeah, yeah, I'm no good. You're right. But I'm not coming in on the basis of my own goodness. I'm coming on the basis of his holiness, of his goodness. That made me want to run a little bit. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. You see, for the longest time, I always thought, you know, and I've shared some testimonies of people that God healed. But, you know, for the longest time, I thought, I, I pray for the sick, but I kind of had a mess. Once in a while, there was a healing or miracle, right, right. but I didn't know what I did right. I didn't know what, you know. Right. And I always had that notion that only those who have a special anointing could heal the sick. Until I realized that God it's the power, the anointing on the inside of us that we've received in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is that power that heals the sick. It's the power in the word. And once I understood that it was not, it was by the grace of God. Listen to this verse. Because you might not believe me, but at least I hope you believe the word. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. You've ever heard sometimes, you know, a healing evangelist or somebody who does all kind of, you know, minister, let's say a minister who does all kind of miracles and stuff. And then, you know, all of a sudden we find out they got caught in adultery. You know what most of people will say? How could he have done so many miracles? He was in adultery. How could God have used it? How could God have used him? You know what we're saying? That God could use him based on his behavior. Wrong, right. No, God used people by his grace. Yes. We received a holy vocation based not on our works, but on his grace. Am I saying it's okay to commit adultery? No. Am I saying it, you should live like a pig and, and sin? No. But the motivation of why you do it, right. it's got to be right. You see, you, gotta, you need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You need to fast. You need to keep yourself uh, 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 separated. But you do it not to try to get brownie point from God so now he can use you. No, no, you do it because you want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You do it because you want to keep yourself separated so you can hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say. Do you understand what I'm saying? The minute you said, oh, I've prayed, or I'm holy, or I've I've fasted, now God's going to use me, you nullify the grace of God. Because if it's of work, it's no longer grace. That's right. Listen, what did I say? Second Timothy chapter one. I didn't say. Second Timothy chapter one. Am I going too fast here? So I'll keep going. Second Timothy chapter one. Oh, I'm in Titus. That won't work. 
2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He says that God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Glory to God. He's called us with a holy calling to be like Jesus, to do the same work that Jesus. Amen. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time began. You see, we have received, we've been saved and received a holy calling to be, to do the same work that Jesus. But it's not based on your works and your own worth. It's based on his grace. Amen. Amen. So the next time you hear the Holy Ghost tell you, go and lay hands on that person or go and, and just, you know, cast the dead devil out of that person right. or go and, and speak to that cancer. And you hear that little voice that said, who do you think you are? You think you're like Jesus, huh? Well, yeah. That's, right. That's the whole point. I've got a holy calling. Yes. Amen. That's it. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. The number third reason, the number, the number three reason. The third reason or the number three reason of why authority might not work is that, and that is a biggie. That's a big one is that most people walk by sight yes. and not by faith. Second yes. Corinthians 5, verse 7. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And we're talking here about exercising our authority, speaking to the demon, speaking to the cancer or the sickness, speaking to your problem, speaking to your pain, yes. speaking to whatever ails you. And we have to learn, in order to do it, we have to learn to do it by faith. I remember how I learned that lesson. It was in 1995, I was doing a huge crusade in India, and they brought to me a woman who was demon-possessed. And that woman had been in, I don't know if you know anything about India, but they worship all kinds of animals. Everything is like they believe it's their ancestor, so they worship the rats, the snakes, and everything. And that woman had been worshiping the God of the snake. And she had become, she had been so possessed, she'd become like a snake. Her body twirled around, her head spin around, her tongue came out of her mouth, and she would do a rag, like shh, kind of noise, like a snake. And they brought her to me. It was intimidating, to say the least. It was tempting to want to, you know, back off. But I knew I had authority. And so what did I do? I looked at that woman and I said, in the name of Jesus, demon, I command you to get out of her. And then I waited and looked. What happened? Nothing. So I went, wait a second. I tell you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And I waited to see. What happened? Nothing. She still acted like a snake. She still rolled on the floor. And what I got so frustrated, I would go again and again and catch the devil and catch the devil again, one time, two, three. And the more I went, you know, wrestling with it really for 15 minutes, and the more I went, the more my, my voice got louder and louder, and my arms starting to flap. <laughs> and I got so frustrated, and I would take her and shake her, and I would try another position, and I... And I until I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit gently say, 
how many times are you going to cast the devil out of that woman? It shook me. And I'm having a conversation with the Holy Ghost. And I say, when I see that she is free. And then the Holy Ghost says, you are walking by sight, not by faith. You believe she's free because you can see it? He says, you must know she's free because you say it. He said, don't you? And then he was a little more like, I got a spanking from the, you know what I mean? He says, don't you know that one name, one word in my name is enough? And then silence. At that moment, I knew what I needed to do. I understood, you see, that I was casting the devil and I was waiting for some kind of physical <laughs> manifestation, something to happen, but nothing was happening. And that was, I was dominated by what I could see. And so at that moment, I took that lady and I, and you know, I told her, I said, look at me in the eyes because you can see demons in people's eyes. I looked at her, I said, now look at me, devil. I said, now you, you know I understand. So I'm going to command you one time to get out of that woman right now in the name of Jesus. You see, I spoke very calmly. I didn't raise my voice. I didn't flap my wings. I just said, in the name of Jesus, get out of her. And then what did I do? I went to the next person. Now, there was like hundreds of people waiting. So I went to the next and then to the next, to the next. But you know, interesting enough, the whole time I am praying for other people, everything in me is wanting to pick, pick in to see what's happening there. Every, we are so dominated by our five senses. Everything in me wanted to see what was happening with that woman. But the Holy Ghost says, don't. And so I just continue to pray. By the end, I prayed for the last person. I kind of forgot about her. But you know, the next morning, I'm on stage doing praise and worship. And I look down, and what do I see? That woman worshiping God, looking like an angel, totally free. And you see, the Holy Ghost taught me in a lesson, say, when you exercise your authority, you've got to do it by faith. Don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by what you feel. You speak. The Bible says in Mark eleven twenty three, it says, whoever speak to the mountain and command it to be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says will be done. He will have what he says. You see, sometimes I notice also that it's possible to have doubts in your head, but you must be convinced, persuaded in yeah. your heart that in the name of Jesus, you have all authority. Yeah. You know, I remember one time that, that, that was 1999, I think. Fred and I were called in the hospital to pray for a lady who was dying. And really, the wish of the daughter was to really uh, give her, you know, pray for her and make sure that she knew where she was going. So Fred and I went to the hospital. That woman had all kind of tubes hooked up to her. She had her liver had stopped working. Her kidneys had stopped working. Her heart, she was, had, was on some kind of a machine. She had a breather, you know. She was hooked up to all kind of machine, and it was really, they were keeping her alive. And so I went and took her hand. Of course, she couldn't talk. So I took her hand and I said, you know, can you hear me? I said, squeeze if you can hear me. So she squeezed her hand. I said, and I prayed for her and asked her if she knew Jesus Christ and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, 
And I believe that was, you know, the gift of, of, of the Holy Spirit or boldness of the Holy Ghost. I heard myself speak to her body. And I say, liver, mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus, right. I command you to function. Kidneys, I command you to function in the name of Jesus. Body, I command you to respond to the word of God. I command this body to, to be healed. I Speak to that heart to beat properly. I, and I started to speak to the whole body. And, and I said, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I command your body to be whole, yeah. to be well, to be healed. And then, in Jesus' name, thank you, Father. And then we left. What happened? Nothing. She looked as dead as before. You know, but all the time in my head, I'm thinking, it's not working. What do you think you did? In my head, I have that, that thing, those bombarded. That's where the devil works, is in your head. Yeah. And he bombarded saying, it's not working. She's never going to da 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 But you know what I did? That's right. I zipped the lip. I did not say, because in my heart, I had to believe by faith that yeah. whatever I said in Jesus' name, right. amen, will be done. And so we went back home, didn't see any result, went back home. The next day, the daughter calls me and she said, what did you do to my mother? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what happened? <laughs> she said, my mother is sitting in bed having lunch. The doctors did all kind of tests on her. All of her organs are working again. They don't know what happened. They, they're going to keep her a few days and then release her to go back home. You see? You, that's why the Bible says when you exercise your authority, right. you've got to do it by faith. And if your head tells you, no, it's not working, you tell your head to shut up and you do it by faith. And don't be moved by what you see. Don't be moved by what you feel. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then finally... The fourth reason, and I will stop at that one. The fourth reason why our authority is sometimes not working is a lack of integrity in our words. A lack of integrity in our words. We know that we exercise authority by speaking, don't we? Yeah. You speak to the mountain. But there is something that is happening that if your mouth, if your words lack integrity... Amen. It's going to short circuit your authority yeah, and your right, faith. Right. Go with me if you don't mind, even if you mind, yeah, yeah. to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 26. James chapter 1, verse 26 says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle, it's bridle, right? Does not bridle. I always mix up and say bridle. So it's bridle. Okay. He says, if somebody thinks he's religious, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, his one religion is useless. You know, the word bridle means to, to keep under control, to lead and to guide, like you bridle a horse. And the word vain or useless, it means devoid of power or force with that success and result. So with that in mind, what James is saying, if you don't keep your tongue under control, your 
your, your religion or your authority will be with that success, with that power, with that force, with that result. And in other words, if our words are with that integrity, our word will be with that power. You know God's word has all power, right? right. Hebrew 1.3 says that God hold all of this universe by the word of his power. Yeah. It doesn't even say by the power of his word. You know, no, his word is power. He says he holds everything by the word of his power. But why does God, uh, his word has so much power? Why has God and Jesus had so much authority? Because his word had total integrity. Listen to those verses. In Psalm chapter 100 and 138, verse 2, it says that God magnify his word above his name or above his reputation. It means that God put his name, his word on the top of the list. Is that Psalm 138, verse 2. He said, God magnify his word even above his name. And we know his name is pretty important. Another verse says in uh, number 23, verse 19, God says, have I not said it and shall, shall I not do it? Have I not spoken it and shall I not bring it to pass? What is the word saying? He said, when God speaks, he does it. If it comes out of his mouth, he's going to do it. That's what the word says in Jeremiah 1.12. He says that God watches over his word to perform it. Amen? That means that if God speaks, that's why his word has so much power. Because when God says something immediately he's going to look over that word to make sure that that word is going is to come to pass. You know, if God breaks his word, you know what will happen? All of universe will self-destruct. But his word has all power because his word has all integrity. When God says it, he does it. Now, the question I have for us is, is our word, does our word have all integrity? Do we watch over our word to perform it? You know what? Look at that in Mark 11, 23. You know the verse where Jesus talks about exercising authority? He says, whoever speaks to the mountain, command it to be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he says will be done. Mm -hmm. The question I have for you is when you say, Oh, I'll be here at 5 o'clock. Will it be done? When you say, I promise you, I'll give you $100. Will it be done? Do you say what you mean? And do you mean what you say? You see, we are in a culture these days where the devil has convinced us that our words have no relevance and no importance. So we exaggerate. We say things we don't mean. We say, I'll be here at five. You know, I travel all over the world and in so many cultures, much less in the States, but in a lot of culture, you know, I have one pastor one time says, Sister Audrey, you know, I was going to preach in his church. He said, I'll be here. I'll come at seven o'clock. So what do I do? I go get ready, wait, seven o'clock, 7.15. You know what I'm talking about, Kevin, 7.30. 
a quarter till eight, still nobody. What do I do? I go back inside. All of a sudden, he pulls in. And I say, Pastor, it's quarter till eight. He said, oh, Sister Audrey, you know, seven, but you know how it is. They call it, it's, 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 it's Colombia's time or it's Ethiopia's time or whatever time. And what they're really saying, they are saying some things, but they don't, they say it just lightly like they, they are saying five o'clock, but they really mean, you know, six o'clock is fine enough. You know what I mean? Right. And, and because the devil, you know, in the, in, in, back in ancient time, when somebody gave their word, it was a matter of honor. Yes. And if somebody, yes. it was a contract. Yeah. Right. Today, the devil is, is convinced us that you can break your word. It means nothing. No big deal. But you know why the devil has done that? We even break contracts today. Yeah. Yeah. You know why the devil is convinced that? Because he knows that if our words have no integrity, our words will have no authority and no power. And guess what? You can beat him up if you don't have that power and that authority. So, you know, glory to God. That means that we are going to have to watch over our word to perform it. You know, we are also in a society where nobody, you, have to, you don't want to offend. Yeah. You know. And how many, you know, you, have, you, know, uh, uh, you, go, you put a you know, wife, if you go to your husband and you said, Honey, does this dress make me look fat? Yeah. And it makes you look like a hippopotamus or whatever. <laughs> you know, what is your husband going to say? No. Well, your husband might not, you know, have problem telling you, honey, go and change. It doesn't look good on you. <laughs> but if, you know, if your friend in church, you go in church, he said, oh, look, I just bought this new dress. Do you like it? Doesn't it look good? You know, if you're a good friend, you know, you'll say, well, you know, I've seen better on you. <laughs> <laughs> But what will most people do? They think in their heart, ooh, it's horrible, it doesn't look good on you. But they don't want to open, what will they say? Oh, yeah, it looks good. You know what you've do just done? You've, you've lost the integrity of your word and you've short-circuited your authority. Thank you for those two amen. And one hallelujah. But it's true anyway. Now, you see, if we're big enough and mature enough, we don't take it, you know, uh, as a, a word of rebuke, but we take it as, man, there is hope. That means that I can make a few little changes. That's you right. see, if you're the type of person that go fishing and you pick up, you fish a little fish and you go back and say, man, I fished a big fish. You exaggerate, you know, evangelistically, like we say. Well, that also is breaking the, the integrity of your word. Right. So what does it mean? We've got, to, we've got to make a few changes to regain the integrity of our word so we can regain the authority and the power that our word. Because, and you know, here's something else. I'll add that under parenthesis. Is you know why so many people sometimes have a hard time believing the word of God? I mean, they know, yeah, by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. But deep down in, inside, they think, well, you know, I know, but. You know what you're doing? The chances are you are judging God according to your own standard. Mm -hmm. Meaning that your word doesn't have integrity. So therefore, you kind of think that 
You know, you, 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 you lie or you exaggerate or you don't keep your words. You know what I'm talking about? Right. And all of a sudden, it's easy to judge God according to our own standard. Yeah. And it, oh, let me put it this way. It is harder to release your faith and believe when God says something that yes. it is true. You can take it to the bank. Yeah. It is good as gold. Amen. 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 So that means we're going to have to retrain. You know, now I, I, once I understood that my authority yeah. was linked with my integrity and the word that I spoke, now I watch what I say. I don't say something I don't mean, and I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm going to say what I believe and believe what I say. And if I say something, the Bible says that we have to swear to our own hurt. Mm -hmm. If I say something, I'm going to watch over my word to perform it, even if it hurts. Even if it hurts and it's not convenient, it's not easy, I don't care. I'm going to do it even if it hurts because I know that, that my authority depends on it. Amen. That's why Jesus said, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. And everything beside that is from the evil one. Amen. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.